Good morning, everyone. We are going to do something a little different today. Um, we know we're a tad bit early with celebrating our veterans, but um, because next week is Rooms of the View Sunday, we wanted to give them the honor that they deserve. So at this time, I would ask you all to please rise as our veterans enter, and then we will join together in the Pledge of Allegiance. Color Guard, forward march. Present arms. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Border arms. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming, whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, o'er the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there oh say does that star-spangled Banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. On behalf of your church family, we thank you for your service. Color Guard, forward march. <laughs>
Good morning. Please join with me in a responsive call to worship that you will find in your bulletins. Let us join together in a celebration of life this day. As we worship this morning, let us open our minds and hearts to seek God's blessings. And let us open our arms and hands to do God's work. In this hour, we are coming to peace through prayer, love of thy neighbor, and words of understanding, that we may all be instruments of God's peace. Please join with me in prayer. A Lord of love, forgiveness, and healing, with love in our hearts and a caring community surrounding us, with fresh possibilities for our growth and endless possibilities for us to express our caring and support for others, and for the countless ways that we receive your love and support, we thank you now. We thank you for your spirit that leads us and for this time and place where we can gather in peace and quiet, in compassion and understanding, and in our faith and in our seeking. With your love, draw us near, make us whole, lift us up, stretch us to grow, and challenge our hearts and minds as you lead us now and always. This we pray as we join together in that which Christ taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and sit in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but leave us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Beautiful day. Welcome to our service of worship and uh, welcome all of our members, everyone on live stream and um, visitors and guests who are with us. Let me, uh, I'm just going to share a few announcements and as I do, let me invite you to please take the friendship registers that you'll find in the center and outside aisles of your pews. 
But you can take that, jot your name, please pass it on to your neighbor. If you are a visitor, we'd love to be able to keep you in the loop. If you're a church member, we'd love to be able to keep you in the loop. We just want to make sure that we have everyone's contact information. So um, if you would like to know uh, what is going on in, in our church community, then please share your contact information with us. And we'd also love to uh, give you a, a welcome note too. So um, along those lines, if you have been visiting Southport Congregational Church and if you would like to make this your church home, um, we would love to have you uh, come and, and join our community. And we're going to be having a new members meeting two weeks from today, November 19th at 4 p.m. in the church library. So please uh, feel incredibly welcome to come to that. And if you could just let us know, that would be wonderful too. You could drop us an email um, or stop by the church office or speak with Laura or speak with me. And um, we'll see you there on November 19th. Today, this morning, very special time for us to be together. We are welcoming Varad Ravid. Varad is who is here with us this morning. She has been our Israeli guide for about the last um, 14 years uh, with our trips to the Holy Land, starting with Laura and I when we uh, went there, and then for three different church trips after that. Um, Varad has many friends here uh, among us who have gone on those, uh, those trips, and she is about to make many more this morning. Varad called us about, say, maybe about a week and a half ago or so, and uh, there were literally missiles going off over her head that were being shot down, and, you know, we heard her say, ah, oh. we said, what's that? She said, oh, some missiles, missiles overhead and getting shot down, um, and um, she asked if she could come, and there's only one answer to that, which is, of course. So we, as a church, uh, flew her here. She arrived Thursday night. Laura and I met her at the airport. She's going to be speaking with us this morning. Um, next Sunday, she's going to be speaking at Greenfield Hill Congregational Church for a second-hour program. She is then going to be speaking all over the country, um, sharing her perspective, her experiences. She's going to be speaking in Georgia, Virginia, North Carolina, I think California, yeah. Tennessee. Um, and uh, we are so fortunate to be able to have her here. Um, and then after the church service today, we're going to have, be having a second hour in the chapel um, where it's going to be very informal, and um, please come and ask her your questions and, and curiosities and so forth. Um, when Laura and I invited her, um, we asked Varad, as an Israeli, to speak from her personal experience and from her perspective. Um, and we realize that others will have different experiences and different perspectives. And today we get to hear from her. So Varad, it is absolutely wonderful to, to have you here with us. Um, and uh, we are glad you are safe and we pray for safety and wellness for, for you, continuing um, for your daughters. Her daughters are serving in the military. Um, and to all Israeli and Palestinian citizens, everyone who is a victim of Hamas, um, which includes a large group of people. Today in fellowship hour, um, in the hallway outside of the library, it's first of all hosted by Karen Mahusky. Thank you very much. Um, Eleanor Biggs is going to be giving away copies of her 
newly published book. It's a beautiful book, wonderful, powerful book um, called Love Letters from a Patriot about her father's letters to her mother um, that were written and, and saved from, uh, he was a, an army captain in World War II. And um, Eleanor thought it would be a beautiful time, beautiful day to release and share her book on this Sunday when we are celebrating Veterans Day. And um, that's going to be the Veterans Day this coming Saturday. So please read, read the details in the bulletin. And if you're going to get it and not just have it beautifully on your coffee table, but if you would actually read it, then she would love to give you a copy of this book. Um, so thank you very much, El, and thank you also for today's flowers, you and Jim. Today at 2 p.m., um, there is something that is pivotal for our church, for Southport, for Fairfield. Uh, this is one of these once-in-a-lifetime things that if you miss it and you go, shoot, I should have been there, you should have been there. Um, and uh, I would just want to say thank you very much to Laura, who is absolutely huge in organizing this for the entire town of Fairfield, for everyone who's going to benefit. Please come out, protest against what United Illuminating is just railroading through. Um, it will be devastating if it passes. Um, the number of people who are going to gather today at the library is going to send a message one way or the other to United Illuminating, to the Siting Council, who, um, who makes the decision on if this is going to go through, if it's going to be adapted, um, if it's going to stop. And that decision, possibly the final decision, could be as soon as November 16th. So we are trying to send a message to at least slow down and look at some alternative solutions to please do not destroy a historic village where we've been working for hundreds of years, uh, Fairfield being a pre-revolutionary war town, and to have one company, one group of people come and plow right through the center of it and destroy sometimes 200-year-old history up to 400-year-old history. Um, and if there are 50 people gathered, that sends one message. If there are 500 people gathered, that sends a different message. There will be... Um, a lot of media there. Uh, there will be the politicians who are there. This is completely nonpartisan. There's people from every side, and this doesn't have anything to do with politics, but they have a voice and they have influence, and they are actually helping us to get the media and get attention and so forth. So just don't leave it up to somebody else. Don't think, well, there's probably enough people going. Um, this is also a giant land grab of, by a private company uh, of private citizens' land for profit, their profit, not ours. Um, so you can also grab a yellow ribbon or several yellow ribbons from our church office, tie them and support. Um, and, and we also have 12 road signs. Um, if you would like to have a road sign and put it up in a high visibility area, um, then that would be very, very welcome. Also, I want to just lift up quickly um, a Town of Fairfield proclamation proclaiming the week of November 19th to the 25th of Packer Wilbur Week um, for his important contributions to the nation and to the towns of Fairfield and Southport. And also, congratulations to you, Laura Wilbur, because as we know, that behind every successful person, right, 
So um, God bless you and God bless Packer. And we are, um, he is so well-deserved. Packer was either one of the people or the person, by the way, who organized the, the turkey trot that raises a tremendous amount of money that's in its, what year? Is this 30th year? 40-some? 40 40-some 40 year. Okay. So that's beautiful. So... And they've given over a million dollars to charity through, uh, through the turkey trot. So very, very well-deserved. Um, the Christmas pageant is coming. Parents, please sign your children up for the Christmas pageant. Details are in the bulletin. Please read the details. Holiday food baskets. We are 79% there for, um, to be able to help out and support people who are hungry and in need in Bridgeport for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, this is an opportunity to love your neighbor. Um, food is due on November 16th. Again, details in the bulletin. Rooms of the view. So much going on. If you've been through um, the church, library, fellowship hall, you'll see that it is going up. It's happening. It's coming this, this Thursday, this weekend, coming weekend. Tickets are on sale. Um, can they get tickets through the, through the office? Or, yep. yep, you can get tickets through the office, church office, senior citizen discount, $100 today. It's 43% off. 42.8% off of the regular price, um, and, and that does run out, so, so get your ticket today. Um, and we need help um, with meals for, for, the, for the Hadley and for designers. We need volunteers. This is our one fundraiser all year, and um, I don't like doing guilt, but you know, we, we do need participation, encouragement, um, because this helps everything that we do as a church. So um, please, let's be involved and volunteer and sign up and come. Um, and also, a week from today at 7 p.m., it is not in the bulletin, we apologize, but um, our son Scott uh, is going to be leading a kirtan session here in the sanctuary, 7 p.m., November 12th for Kirtan. Please come, share this with your friends, and we will love to see you there. And I thank you very much. This time, I welcome the children to come on forward. Yep, I'm talking to you. Come on down. You gotta come down anyway for church school. You might as well come down now with me. Middle schoolers, right? Hmm? All right. Good morning. It's good to see you all. This is one of my favorite questions. Tell me what's something different uh, in the sanctuary that you see today. There are two big things that are a little different than what is usually here. The table. What's the table up there for? What's that called? Go. Communion. We're going to talk about that in church school. What else is up there that's not usually up there? Go ahead. Oh, those are not security cameras. Those are our, you, my friend, are live on television at Livestream SCC. You, those are, those are uh, no security there. Actually, the opposite. All right, what else? Turn around and look at what else is up there that's not usually there. What do you think, Mark? Those little cups. Nope, yep, that's part of communion. What else? 
Paul's arm is better. Nice, good observation. It's much better. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, what else? There are some beautiful flowers, red, white, and red, blue, green for Veterans Day. What else? Let's move to people. Go. Varid. Exactly. By name, no less, Varid. So who did Paul say that Varid is? Who was listening to Paul's things? Go ahead. She is a lady from Israel, and how do we know her? How do we know her? Because she helped you guys on a mission trip. Sort of. You're very close. She did help us. We weren't on a mission trip per se, although we could have called it a mission trip. But what were we on? What did you remember? Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. <laughs> That's right. We were on Noah's Ark. Okay. She is our tour guide in Israel. What's a tour guide do? What's a tour guide do? Shows us around. To what? Shows us around to what? To monuments, important places. What else does a tour guide do? What else? Brings us somewhere that we haven't went before. She brings us somewhere that we haven't went before. 100%. 100%. Thank you. What, how do you think she tells us about those places that we've never gone before? What are, what are, how do you think she tells us that, that would keep us engaged and interested? What do you think? How does she tell it? Does she say, this is a church built in 1843. How do you think she might do it? What would she use? She tells a story, right? She may, she's an excellent storyteller. So she told us the stories, showed us the places, and introduced us to the people of Israel. So who do you know in Israel? Verit. Who do you know was from Israel? Jesus. Jesus. Verit. Did you ever meet him? No. No, not when you were on Noah's Ark? No, he wasn't, he wasn't on the Ark? No. All right. So Jesus lived thousands of years ago, right? But when you go to Israel, Verid can take you to the places that Jesus was at. That's more than 2,000 years old. Where else can Verid take us? To places? It's a kind of a strangely worded question. I did not do that well. She can also take us to places from the Old Testament before Jesus was born. Farid, what's your guess of the oldest place that we've visited in Israel? How old would it be? Uh, yes, I do think you remember every place you've taken us. Yep. So when the first temple was? Mm-hmm. 960 BC, before Christ. That's more thousands of years old. So she can take us to some of the oldest sites in Israel, and she can tell us the stories. And when we go there, we get to understand our Bible better. We get to understand the history of the Jewish people better. We get to understand the people that lived at Jesus' time better. She's a human tour guide. This is a non-human tour guide. What's this? The Bible. The Bible acts just as a tour guide. If you open it up, there are stories in here. How many books worth of stories? 
66 books worth of stories in here. Do you think it describes places and buildings? Yes. yes. Do you think it introduces you to people? Yes. yes. Jesus, Peter, Mary, Andrew, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people. You can meet, but you have to go on the trip. You have to pick up the Bible. You have to read the stories. Or you miss going on a trip through Israel and ancient history and Christianity. So your job this week is to pick up your Bible and go on a trip and tell me next week where you went and who you met. Okay? All right, let's say a prayer together. Dear God, we thank you for the Bible that gives us the history of all your people. Help us to read it and understand it so we can be part of your history. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's head out to the chapel and the youth room. As we enter a time 
together of quiet prayer and reflection, we ask that you keep in your prayers a member of our church family whose young child is dealing with serious heart issues. We ask that you keep Adele Keating's daughter, Jessica Suber, in your prayers. She is beginning treatment for ovarian cancer. Mark Foster, who is in hospice, and his wife, Carla, may they cherish their remaining time together. And for Bill Van Olefen, who continues to live with intense chronic pain and has been struggling to obtain his medication on a reliable basis. For Hank Greer, who, for his continuing strength and care, for Grace Berg, for her continued healing, and for Annie Lillis, for rapid recovery from her cataract surgery just this last week. And our continuing prayers for those who have been diagnosed with cancer and are undergoing treatment. And prayers of thanksgiving for the blessings of living in a free country where we're able to vote and worship freely as not everyone is in this world. And for the veterans who've served in our military and those who are currently serving in our armed forces and protecting our cherished freedom and fighting for the freedom of others around the world. With these prayers and the prayers in your own hearts and minds, let us be present with God. Holy, loving, and merciful God, God of compassion and God of justice, God of comfort and God of peace, God of Israel and God of Palestine, God of Ukraine and God of Russia, God of the victims and God of the perpetrators. We lift up our prayers to you in these times of war, rising death toll, and atrocious, inhumane violence. May the peace of our one almighty and all-loving God be upon our brothers and sisters in this country and around the world. God, we pray for world leaders and politicians that they may see the wisdom in working together in collaboration towards solutions of peace and sharing the abundance that you provide for all of your creation. God, we pray particularly for the people of Israel and the people of Palestine, the people of other locations in the Middle East. We pray deeply for Vered, who's with us this morning and has been a dear friend to so many in this church. And for her daughters, Shaha and Gali, who are serving in the Israeli armed forces, may they be safe and may the peace of our one God of Israel comfort them. 
We pray for others in our church family affected by the war, particularly the family of Denise Karen Quinn in Israel, for Amr, Ramsey, Rashad, and Rahman Nimmer and their extended family in Palestine, for Rosine Schleila and her family in Lebanon. We pray for all those who continue to fight the war in Ukraine. May they be safe and merciful, and may the political leaders see the wisdom in resolution. And in this country and around the world, we pray for the victims of gun violence, which has claimed the lives of more than 35,000 people in America just this year, and where we're on pace to see more than 700 mass shootings by year-end. We pray to you this morning, God, as we bring to you our despair in witnessing human violence. We pray to you, God, in our struggle to come to grips with what we do to one another in our human desire for power and resources and land. We pray to you, acknowledging our own human frailty, recognizing that each one of us is susceptible to acts of inhumanity and violence as well. As we pray to you, God, let us remember your never-ending, boundless grace that you grant us always and everywhere even in our worst acts against your creation. Your grace abounds in your creation just because we are yours. We are your children, God. And as your children, we pray that we will see and feel how we are bound together one of the other. We ask that you give each of us the strength and the empathy so that when one of us, a community of us, or an entire nation of us is suffering, being drawn into a dark void, we are the ones who serve as the light that exposes goodness and righteousness and truth in your creation. We thank you, God, as we lift up our prayers to you. In your name and in the name of your Son and your Spirit, we pray. Amen. Gospel according to Matthew reads, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so as we enter into our time of offering, I invite you to offer what you're able, 
so that your heart may be blessed with the treasures of the kingdom of heaven now on earth. Our morning offering will now be received.
with me in the unison prayer of dedication. Loving God, we thank you for granting each of us the ability to make your kingdom of love alive and tangible for ourselves and for others. We receive these gifts as an expression of our love and faith that they may grant new life and love to those in need, hope to those in pain, and freedom to us all. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you for Paul and Laura for their friendship all those years. Can you hear me now? Okay. I got So, good morning, everybody. Nice to see you here. And shalom. I would like to thank. Paul and Laura for their years of friendship. And as you all know, the church was in Israel in July, and we never planned for me to see you so soon again, and even on this part of the ocean. But, you know, this is where we are. And when this was planned, I asked Laura and Paul to be able to speak at the church, because um, for me as an Israeli, that's been guiding for 31 years, that's what I do for a living. I explain Israel, and I feel that now it's very, very hard to explain for people that are from another part of the world that are trying to understand what's going on with the media to really know what's going on in land. And that's why I'm here, and that's why I'm taking a tour across the U.S. to explain wherever people are willing to hear what I um, wish to tell you. So I want to start with um, scripture that um, Paul and I was choosing. And you've got the scripture over there. It's from Isaiah. And while you're going to look at this in English, I'm going to read that in Hebrew. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. בקווי אדוני יחליפו כוח, יעלו איבר כנשרים, ירוצו ולא ייגעו, ילכו ולא יעופו. I chose this verse because of hope. So, the question that comes is, if you have faith, you have hope. If you have trust, you have hope. But in order to have faith, you have to have hope and trust all together. And this is where I am starting my talk from. So I'm going to tell you about where I've been in 7 October when all of that happened. But before I do that, I want to, because most of you do not know me, I want to tell you a couple of things that maybe surprise you, maybe won't. But what I'm asking is for you, even if you hear something that you don't agree with, which is perfectly fine, just to not block your heart. Hear me all the way through. And maybe then 
it will be more clear to you what happened, what is happening right now in my country. So it's not ground rules, but those are like the points I want you to keep in mind before I start telling you about 7th of October. So what the world doesn't understand that the Palestinian and the Israelis are actually on the same side. Israel and the Palestinian cannot exist while Hamas existing. Hamas is a terror organization that lives and protects itself with humans, Palestinians, in Gaza Strip. So if Israel and the Palestinian want to coexist, Hamas cannot exist. And that's why this war is going on now. This war, sadly, for both sides, cannot stop before Hamas stop existing. Because any ceasefire is not going to achieve that goal. And also, we leave 244 Israelis, including 40 babies and children, in the hands of those barbaric people. Those are the uh, ground rules. What you may not know that Hamas is trying to destroy Israel for the last 35 years. It's not an organization that was just born at the 6th of October. And his way of doing it is using human Palestinians as his shield to protect themselves from the Israeli army. Uh, for example, the missiles and the rockets that are being launched from hospitals, from school, and from innocent Palestinians in uh, Gaza, which require the Israeli army to retaliate to stop the shooting of the thousands of rockets and missiles into Israel from Gaza Strip. The tunnels that are built all under Gaza are not built in order to help the economy. They're not giving jobs for Palestinians. The tunnels are there to destroy Israel and are the process to destroy the Palestinians as, as a people, not as a nation. Hamas represents the Palestinian. That's the government in Gaza Strip, but it's not really a choice of people to have this organization to uh, run their country. Um, Israel is definitely trying to avoid hurting civilians, but the situation now that that is not really possible with Hamas infrastructure inside people's home. So you probably all know that Hamas calls Israel the little Satan, but you definitely know that Hamas called the US the big Satan. So my enemy is also your enemy. The only difference is that they are not shooting rockets at you right now. And you always have to remember that. It's very easy to feel safe and comfortable at home, and I'm not here to scare you. But that's how we feel. We feel safe and comfortable at home until we don't feel that any longer. We've been, before uh, 7 of October, in the last 20 years, we were hit by more than 20,000 missiles and rockets. So I may be more resilient than you are, but it doesn't mean I'm enjoying it. The fact that I, I can talk on the phone and say, oh, cool, there's a rocket going over my head. You know what that means? 
It means I am safe, but somebody is not going to be safe in a few minutes. And for the Iron Dome to make us feel a little bit safer, because we know there's something that is protecting us. So um, let me tell you about 7 of October. I was uh, with a group from South Africa, a group of people that came from pretty much the middle of nowhere, their only time ever outside of South Africa. They saved money for years as Christians to come and see the Holy Land, God's country, where Jesus walked. The tour went fine. We started the 1st of October. And then, of course, at the morning of the 7th of um, October, we were in the north of the country. So about two and a half, three hours from Gaza. I didn't read the news. I didn't open the TV. And I had no idea what just started three hours away from where we were. And I was prepared to take my tourists that day around the Sea of Galilee to see where Jesus walked, where he made those miracles, when he casted the fish into the, the nets. Just Jesus' ministry in the Galilee, you know, work day for me, very special day for the people. And um, I got an email from overzealous travel agents about my traveling to India for what well, was supposed to happen four months later. And she ends her, her email with, I hope the day continue better than it started. Now, I don't know what she's talking about. So I just check up on, online, and I see that there are some kind of uh, rockets going on in the south of the country. So I don't take this too seriously, because I know I'm three hours away. So those rockets from Hamas, from Gaza, are not... Uh, a risk or a threat for me and my tourists. And this is how Israel is. It's smaller than New Jersey, but we, are, we have three different borders with three different enemies. Now, Jordan is not an enemy, and, and Egypt is not an enemy, but what's between us and them is, is the areas where Palestinians are living, and in the areas where the Palestinians are living, you've got terrorist organization. For instance, the Palestinian autonomy doesn't have one uh, government. It has a government in Gaza, it has a government in the Judea and Samaria, in the West Bank, and of course, you've got the worst of all, so we thought, Hezbollah that sits in the south of Lebanon and pretty much controls Lebanon. So at this point, I text the travel agency. This is Saturday, and it's also a holiday. Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacle. I text the travel agent and says, what do you want me to do? This looks a little bit more serious than usual. And she says, we just got an email from Ministry of Tourism and Ministry of Defense. Tourists are not allowed to get out of the hotels. So I'm collecting my people who have no idea that this is all started. And I'm telling them there's a... Uh, at this point, it was called a military operation, an attack over Israel. Explain that to them. Of course, they get very, very anxious, very worried, even though they're third world people, so they're not online as much as we are. They don't really know what's going on, but here is their 
local representative tells them we are to stay in here. So that day, as I'm checking out the news and looking at TV way more than I would usually do on a day of work, I'm realizing the atrocities, the horrible day that the people in the south of Israel is going on. When I talk about the south of Israel, I'm talking about the Negev. I'm talking about an area that is closer to Gaza Strip and you have over 33 different Israeli communities. Most of the people that live in this area are liberals and left-wing. They feel very, very sorry for the Palestinian and because of that, they give Palestinian jobs in their farms, in their homes. So 90,000 Palestinians leave Gaza Strip before 7 of October every day to get their livelihood from Israel, not from the Palestinian autonomy. Israel gives them job because you know something? If your neighbor is good, you are good. If your neighbor is not good, you are not going to be good. And Israel recognized that. And a Palestinian autonomy with 79% unemployment doesn't seem to understand that their people need jobs. Why is that? Because the government is assembled from Hamas members. And the, the money that is being sent by donation and from Qatar is not going to the people, not helping poverty. It's helping Hamas get more rockets and more missiles and build more tunnels under Gaza Strip. So therefore, at, at this uh, point, I'm starting to see what's going on in the news and it looks unreal. It's, is that Hamas knew that smartphones are kind of burned. So they went back to old landline. Who would even think of listening to the landline? Well, intelligence should have been thinking about that. They did that in their tunnels, and that was missed. Now, in order to think that a war starting or a big operation, you have to have three red flags meaning moving of troops, practicing, different kind of things that will mark to intelligence that something is happening. There was no three red flags, and therefore the alert was not as high as we all know that should have been. So uh, we're passing that. Here it is. It's Saturday. Less people are in the army and less people are in the police, and it's on top of all of that, that's a holiday. So when the attack starts in a smart time, 6.30 in the morning on a holiday, it wasn't prepared. And the attack started on that music festival. The, the, the young people in the music festival started calling their parents. Their parents, from wherever they are in the country, are now driving because their kids send location so the parents can find them. So local police and ex-soldiers, ex uh, ex-military veterans were now rushing towards south to start helping. Of course, that was not enough. And all those uh, communities that invaded at 6.30 in the morning, so surprised at the terrorists in their homes, burning them when they couldn't get to them because they were in the safe room. We all have safe rooms. Every home in Israel, when you ask for uh, permission, license, 
to buy a new home, the first thing that you need to show is where is your safe room. You build your home around the safe room. It will be the room that is most protected. You have to have electricity, water, and um, a little bit of supplies for 72 hours to be able to survive off the grid for 72 hours. So the people who live in the south of the country, their safe room needs to face north, right? Because Hamas will be shooting at them from south. So your south wall is the less safe room in the house. I live in the center, my safe room is in the west. West will be Mediterranean Sea, so it's my safe direction. People who live in the north, facing Hezbollah, their safe room needs to face south. Okay, so the people in the south of the country who suffered so much more than we did, they now lock themselves in their safe room. But they've never ever imagined that the terrorists, and we talk about 3,000 of them, not three, not 30, 3,000 of them are now invading the settlements. Uh, the, not settlements is not the right word because we're not talking about uh, West Bank, we're, we're talking about Israel. So communities, invading the communities. How did I know where to go? Palestinian from Gaza who worked in those communities led the terrorists into the homes where people gave them job and being their friends and drove them to hospitals when they needed uh, any kind of help. Those are the traders, the ones that worked for the Israelis and now either were blackmailed, paid, or volunteered to show the terrorists where they need to go to kill people. I don't want to get into the atrocities. I don't want to talk about the horrible ways of, of massacre because you've seen it and um, it's very, very hard. I've got a friend in one of those communities. She lives there with her two daughters. Her daughters, it's my daughter's age. I send her a message. I don't get any answer from her, but I see that she's, she's online, so I know she is alive. Hours later, she tell me that she went the day before to Tel Aviv to help her daughter move to her student apartment. And she's in Tel Aviv and she's safe, but she's horrified but because they have, you know, a texting a groups like we use WhatsApp and she understands what's going on in the kibbutz where she is safe with her daughters. This kibbutz near Oz lost one of every four people. They started the war with 470. Now they have a quarter. Some people dead, some people are kidnapped in Gaza. Kidnapped in Gaza, babies nine months old to senior citizens in their 80s, Holocaust survivor, people with Alzheimer's and dementia. How, how did the media refuse to use the word terrorist and call them freedom fighter? When you're getting a baby out of his mom's womb, is this baby was a risk for anybody? Is that nine months old baby that is now a month in, in captivity, was he any risk to anybody? I don't think so. And I, I feel that 
the media is doing real injustice to Israel. I feel that today, people are only reading the headlines and making their opinions on headlines that nobody even checked if they have anything to do with the truth. Just like that event where Hamas was launching a missile towards Haifa and blew up the hospital. You all remember that. Two minutes later, they said 500 people are dead. How did they know two minutes later that there was already 500 people dead? The media, even here in North America, definitely in Europe, all of a sudden turned around Israel and was screaming ceasefire, which you understand, ceasefire is not helping, but nobody was even checking. They took Hamas, a terror organization, as a reliable source for information. How many days did it take for the media to retract their accusing Israel? And that's the problem, that we're not looking for facts. We're looking for easy way to blame someone else. We lost our patient, and a lot of, of people feels to me here in North America, to, to my opinion, lost their, their humanity. Look what happened to the Jewish student in the campuses. Gas the Jews, kill the Jews. A lot of Jewish uh, people in North America took all their huge donations from Harvard and other Ivy League schools because if they're calling to kill the Jewish student, why would the Jewish philanthropists give their money to this school? It's just impossible. And what I feel as a person that is connected to North America because of work, so I feel like I understand the culture better than most Israelis, is that I feel that Israel is not getting a fair chance to explain itself. We are not angel. Nobody is an angel. But nobody is looking for the full picture. And it feels that the world moved on from those 240 people. How would you feel if that was your member of your family? How would you feel if they were at the ends of Hamas for months now. You know what happened yesterday? They found a part of a skull of a young woman and identified her to her name, Shani. She's actually a German citizen, but one of her parents, her dad, is Israeli. You know what he says? I am so happy she's dead because I don't have to worry of what they are doing to her in Gaza. Could you imagine? Only a part of a skull of a whole human being, that's what's left. And her dad is just happy that she's dead. Can you imagine that? And that's before people are accusing us of, of all the atrocities that are, we are being accused. Just have compassion to what we are dealing with right now. And I feel so blessed by God and so protected because when it started, I was away. And only when the flights were stopping and there was less, so my group couldn't get out of the country originally from the airport. We took them, I took them to the border crossing with Jordan, which is a land crossing. The, we took them to Jordan. I did not 
go to Jordan. We took them to Jordan because we felt it would be safer for them to try to find a flight back home to South Africa. And then I got to Jerusalem. And I got to Jerusalem and it was creepy. Jerusalem was empty. You know, middle of the week, Monday afternoon, this is a city with a, with a million of people, absolutely nobody in the street. Our bus driver, he dropped me off. He, by the way, was Palestinian, which I worked with before, and normally was much nicer to me than he was that day. He, I said, take me somewhere where there's more people. Don't just leave me in the middle of the street. And he says, no, I, I'm not taking you. You get off in here. So I'm walking towards the tram, to the, to the train, and all of a sudden there's a siren. Now remember, it started on Saturday morning. It's Monday afternoon. I have not heard a siren this time yet. And now I'm in the middle of the road, huge highway. I've got to find a place to protect myself. And I've got a suitcase. So I'm running to the other side of the road because there is uh, stops for the tram. Not that those stops, which are metal, are going to help me. What you need to do is you need to run into a bomb shelter if there isn't a building or just find a wall to protect you. And you haven't got any of that. You lay on the ground, you put your hands on your head, and you wait for 10 minutes. So... I get to do that, and you know what happened to me? I get so annoyed. I don't get scared anymore because I've heard so many sirens, but I get annoyed that we live in a, in a time and days where this is what I get, to lay on the asphalt and put my hands on my head and wait for the rockets. Here we hear the sounds of the interception of the Iron Dome and um, the rockets that came from Hamas, and then everything is okay. Now you wait for the, for the tram to come get you. This is my reality. Get up from the floor. I call this taxi driver, which I know, and I says, Nisim, can you come get me? He says, are you in Jerusalem? Are you nuts? I says, don't move, I'm coming to get him. So his wife calls and says, why are you here? come home. And he says, no, I got to take Vered home. So, you know, he takes me home. And then the war starts, and then you can't leave. You just can't leave the TV. You can't stop watching those atrocities. They come to your dreams. They come in your life. Everybody is so stressed. It is, it's just impossible to describe it if you are not there. It's just impossible. I'm doing my best. But you can't understand the stress, the worry. Everybody has sons, neighbors, friends in the army. So they are safe in the location where they are, but people have to leave their job for as long as it takes to just help defend the country. So wartime is... No schools, only essentials, work half day, because if we are, where I live is about an hour and a half away from the border, if you are that far, then you're allowed to go outside, you're allowed to 
walk your dogs. It's not even about allowed. You can do whatever you want. You just want to be close enough to be protected next time that the next missile and rocket comes. And that's our reality now. And me personally, as a tour guide, I've lost my job. All my tours until May are already canceled. And I felt if I'm out of work, maybe that's what I should do. Just come and tell you what's going on in Israel. So, um, just last week, you all know, um, U.S. and the U.N. have required Israel to open a humanitarian uh, space where people who are injured can get, get out towards Egypt. You, you, I'm sure you all saw those numbers. I saw it in the American media. 30% of the people that are requesting to leave for the humanitarian corridor are Hamas terrorists. So the world want to be kind, but we are talking two different languages, a language that is not wanting peace, and a Western world language that wants something else than the reality. And that's something that I think is very, very important to remember. There's two victims here, the Palestinians and the Israelis. And you can't untangle the Palestinians and the Israelis. You cannot, and of course I'm not talking about you personally, make Israel the bad guy here after what happened. The, the worst terrorist attack ever happened to such a tiny country that have no choice just to be strong. Let's uh, read together that verse from Isaiah, okay? They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strengths. They shall mouse out with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Thank you very much. Thank you. My 
body is broken, my heart is broken, but I have no choice. Thank you very much for listening to me. the service is, is running long. This is um, one of these unusual Sundays, and um, sometimes <clears throat> the unusual is worth it, and I think that this is one of these times. Um, and I think it's poignant. Thank you very much, Vered, uh, for sharing n- not just your story, but yourself and, um, and all that you represent, and I, I, value, I value our friendship for, for the last 14 years. Um, and <clears throat> It, it is poignant that we are following that with, with the sacrament of communion, with sharing the bread and sharing the cup, um, and focusing on, on our communion, our community, our common, common unity, and not just with us, with ourselves, um, but our common unity um, as God wants it. Uh, God created everyone, uh, all males and females, God created them. And um, that is the vision. That is our directive, to work until we are truly children of God. Loving, listening, sometimes giving up what is ours so that others may have. And so with the spirit of, of common union, under the one umbrella of God, 
we come to this table with our whole selves, us and everyone in the world, knowing that we are so far from perfect, that we don't see clearly, we don't act clearly, but we need God's wisdom, not only to speak to us, but we need God's wisdom. We need to listen to that and to, and to change, to be changed, all of us, so that we can stop living our ways, but that we can live how God wants us to live, to step into these areas of discomfort and say, God, how do you want me to, to think differently? How do you want me to act differently? I know that I'm not doing it right. And so we're welcome to this table in, in this way. And I'm also struck that uh, one of the last times that, that I shared communion was, was with Vered, was with our group in the upper room in Jerusalem. Jerusalem that's made up of the, of the four quarters. So God, may we learn to live one another, not separating ourselves into four quarters, but to live together as one, truly. And that requires a lot from us. In the spirit, as we're gathered here, we share the bread and we remember Christ's words and actions in that upper room. When he was with his disciples and he was about to be betrayed himself, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is being broken for you. And take this, and as often as you eat of it, remember me, embody me, ministering to you in his name, in his spirit, of the one body, we give you this bread.
together in the bread of life, the bread of wholeness, the bread of oneness. We also remember how on that same night in that same room when he was with his disciples, he took the cup, gave thanks to God, blessed it, poured it, shared it with his disciples, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for you and shed for all for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink of this, and as often as you do, remember me. And ministering to you in his name and his spirit, we give you this cup.
May we join together in the cup of forgiveness and peace. fed us with the precious body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that this sacrament reminds us of our salvation through Jesus Christ, who you sent to walk in solidarity with us. Let this sacrament be a sign of our faith and foster our goodwill toward one another. In your name and in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. from our comfort, asking God, what can I do, God? Send me. How can I be a person of peace? May we receive all that God has to give. May we open our arms and give freely unto all. And may all be comforted. May all be protected. May all be safe from harm. And may we do our part in this whole process, whatever that may be, as we go from this place with God's blessing. May God be with you now and forevermore in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.